Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are talking with Jessamine Stanley, an internationally acclaimed voice in wellness, highly sought after for her insights on 21st century yoga and intersectional identity. As a successful award-winning yoga instructor and entrepreneur, she's the founder of The Underbelly, a streaming wellness app and community, and co-host of the podcast, Dear Jessamine. She's a regular contributor to Self Magazine, has been featured on cover of Cosmopolitan Magazine UK and covered in the New York Times, Vogue, Glamour, Sports Illustrated, and Women Health, among many other domestic and international media outlets. She is also the author of Yoke, My Yoga of Self-Acceptance, and Everybody Yoga, Everybody Yoga, Let Go of Fear, Get on the Mat, and Love Your Body. Jessamine, welcome to the show. Sarah Jane, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here with you. That is quite the bio. You're very cool. <laughs> right. I was listening to it like, who is that? Who are we talking about? Who's that? Do I know that person? Oh my God. Right. It's interesting, I think, how much is the same in my life from when I was like standing at the front of a I was the hostess of a tapas bar for like years and so in my mind like not much has changed since then so I'm like interesting yeah, it's all kind of the same essentially yeah Do, what is your story like how did you go from being the hostess of a tapas bar to being doing all of the amazing things that you're doing now so basically I was in graduate school and I was, this is before the tapas bar and mm -hmm. um, which I say tapas bar and I feel like it's heard sometimes as topless bar. It was definitely a tapas <laughs> bar, a Spanish tapas bar. But anyway, so I <laughs> was in grad school and um, I was just really depressed. And one of my friends suggested that I go to a yoga class with her. And mm. I was like, absolutely not. Yoga is stupid. <laughs> it is just for thin white women. I'm not doing that. And she convinced me to go by getting me to buy a Groupon pass. So I was like, I'll just buy this Groupon and go one time and she'll get off my back about it. And I remember <laughs> going and I just thought that like everything about it was terrible. Like mm -hmm. the, it was a hot yoga class. It was just like so hot. All of the posture seemed impossible. Like it seemed like everyone had had gotten together and like practiced the postures ahead of time. And like, mm -hmm. I was not in that hangout session. So I didn't know what was going on. And I just, <laughs> it was a very alienating, very isolating experience. Yeah. But at the same time, like, 
I noticed during the class just how much I told myself no and how mm. often I was like, I can't do this. That I, I'm not, it's not possible. And I was like, where else in my life am I saying this? This is not just mm. happening on the yoga mat. And over time, I realized that that's a, that was a huge part of my life. It is a huge part of my life, like setting mm-hmm. boundaries for myself. And I think that's something that a lot of us struggle with is that we decide who we are. And then once mm-hmm. we've decided who we are, we never expand beyond that. And Ooh. yoga was a place where I was like, okay, I'm just going to give it a try. So I yoga gave me a lot of confidence and it gave me the confidence to leave graduate school. Technically, I am still on a leave of absence from graduate school. And <laughs> I like decided to move to a new town and like start my life completely differently. And mm. when I moved, I didn't have a job. I didn't have a plan. And for a little while, I just had like all my clothes in my car and my partner was sleeping. Like they had a very tiny apartment with like a twin size bed and we would switch off who slept in the bed and my car was my closet for a period of time. And Mm -hmm. then eventually we like got an apartment together and I got a job, but I did not have the money to practice yoga in yoga studios. And Mm -hmm. I stopped practicing yoga for a period of time. And during that time, a lot of shitty things happened. Um, Mm. Most notably, my aunt passed away very unexpectedly. Mm. And she and I had, I think it's one of those things where you don't realize how close, you don't, (laughs) sometimes you don't notice how much you love someone until they're gone. But I I was really struck by her passing and Mm -hmm. I found myself just spiraling. And I was like, Mm -hmm. what was making me feel good before? Yoga? Okay, I'm just going to find a way to do this at home. Mm -hmm. And so I knew a few yoga poses and I had my dad's old Pilates mat. And so I would just push all the furniture out of this one corner of our apartment and like roll out my yoga mat and practice those few postures that I knew. And over time, I started taking more online classes and I would like go out to classes when I could find the money. And I just started becoming like completely obsessed with this practice. And Mm -hmm. I started documenting it. This was back whenever Instagram like first came out. And Mm -hmm. initially, like my first Instagram pictures were like my cat and food and stuff like that. And definitely like the first people who were on Instagram were college students just showing their lives. But there were some yoga people on there. And I noticed that they were sharing photos of their practices. And I was like, I want to be a part of this community because it was Mm -hmm. very isolating to practice yoga at home. And I do think Mm -hmm. now um, having founded the underbelly and having this wellness community where people around the world can come and practice yoga together. One thing that I really notice is that there is this isolating thing that happens when you are practicing Mm -hmm. yoga at home. And it's nice to be able to find community somehow. So Mm -hmm. I was seeking community through social media. But what I noticed really was that I didn't have that many yoga people reaching out to me. I mostly had people being like, I didn't know that fat people could do yoga. And I was just like, Mm. why do you think fat people can't do yoga? Fat people do all kinds of things all the time. So we clearly just have a visibility issue. So I kept Mm -hmm. sharing my yoga practice as a way of showing that fat people are not just the before and a before and after that we do all Mm. kinds of things all the time. And over time that led to more people asking me to teach them yoga. And I was Mm -hmm. like, you don't need for me to teach you yoga. Literally there are Mm -hmm. thousands of yoga teachers. I would recommend teachers and platforms. And I had, Mm -hmm. I'm saying this because I want to, I can't overemphasize. I had no interest in being a yoga teacher at all, (laughs) but I, um, 
eventually it got to a place where I was like, okay, I'll go to training, but I just don't like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to focus on teaching yoga. Like I have other goals. I'm not going to focus on this. But when I went to training, I do think of myself as like before YTT, that's what we call yoga teacher training and after YTT, because Mm -hmm. after YTT, I really understood that everyone should teach yoga, not even necessarily Mm. like in yoga studios or in like not necessarily pastoral yoga classes where people do yoga flows together, that we're all living the yoga of our everyday life. Ultimately, yoga Mm -hmm. is about balance. It's about finding the intersection in between all the different chaotic parts of ourselves. And Mm. the way that I understand yoga is not going to resonate for everybody but it could resonate for even one person. And if it Mm -hmm. resonates for one person, they might share it with one other person. And then that starts Mm -hmm. a ripple effect that can resonate all over the world. And ultimately Mm -hmm. for me, it's not about everybody practicing yoga. It's about the fact that we really live in a world right now that is focused and fixated on fear. We're all leading from fear. A lot of Mm -hmm. advertising is driven by fear. But if we can instead move from a place of compassion and love Mm -hmm. and look within ourselves for that compassion first, that can change. That can be the full systemic shift for us as a society. So that Mm -hmm. has led me to focus my yoga teaching in a way where like initially I literally just made a list of everywhere that people asked me to teach them. And I was like, cool, I'll just try to get to all these places on this list. And then then I'll be done. And eventually I realized that I can't physically go to all of those places. Like I've taught yoga all over the world and I continue to teach live yoga classes all over. But mm-hmm. um, that did lead me to start the underbelly so that anyone can practice yoga with me all over the globe. If you have a streaming device, we're streaming on all platforms. You can find the classes anywhere, anytime. But even with the underbelly, it's like, not everybody wants to go to a yoga class. And so that spurred me to write books. So I have two books, um, Mm -hmm. Everybody Yoga and Yoke, My Yoga of Self-Acceptance. And, um, but even with the books, like, and you can get the books anywhere that books are sold. But, um, but even with those, it's like, not everybody's going to read a book. And that's Mm -hmm. not all that yoga is. It's not just about this physical practice or even, it's not even just about meditation and breath work. And so Mm -hmm. I started the podcast, Dear Jessamine, to talk about Mm -hmm. really the yoga of everyday life and not just the yoga of living your life, but the yoga of relationships and what it is to be in relationship and in community with other people. And specifically Mm -hmm. on Dear Jessamine, we focus on polyamory and the complexity of being in relationship with more than one person at once. Mm -hmm. But all of it ultimately is in service of just living my yoga practice and being honest Mm -hmm. and authentic. And it's still the medicine for me, like that it has always been. I think that, um, when I first went to that class with my friend when I was in grad school, it mm-hmm. became this like tonic for me so that I was able to mm-hmm. understand that change is inevitable in life. And, mm-hmm. um, and over time, it has just continued to be the medicine that I need to get mm-hmm. through the changes of life. Mm. I love that you said, you said the sentence, I realized that, you know, we limit ourselves. And the specific, how did you phrase that? You said something like, we think we have to be this one thing. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I, I have no idea what I said, but I know the idea was like <laughs> that we, we, it's like you get an idea of yourself and you're like, this is who I am. This is what I can do. Like for me, it was mm-hmm. like, I am a, I was studying nonprofit arts management. So it's like, mm-hmm. I am going to be an arts manager. I will work in nonprofit arts organizations. And this is the kind of person that I am. And even like getting more specific, it's like, I work in general management. I do fundraising. Like this is what I do. So that means mm-hmm. that any Anything that is not exactly that is not what I'm mm-hmm. allowed to do. And <clears throat> it's interesting to me on a lot of levels because just on a personal level, it means that I'm not able to experiment with and be in all of the other things that I'm interested in. So outside of general management and fundraising, there's so many different things that I like to do. I like, I like to cook. I like to garden. I like to draw like all of these things that, and especially if it's something that, um, I was not told that I'm good at. And I think that this is something that can just get like really sticky where it's like, if you don't have your abilities confirmed by another human being, it's like they don't exist. And so just Mm. using drawing as an example, like when I was a kid, I never had anybody tell me that I was good at art. And so over Mm. time, I just started to think I'm not good at that. So that's something that I shouldn't do. I did it with math too. It's like, I'm not good at math. So that's just not something that I can do. I actually think math is really interesting. I think drawing and the painting are really interesting. And, Mm -hmm. but not not having that confirmation meant that I didn't even Mm -hmm. give myself the chance to explore with that. And there's so many things, so much joy in life that can come from doing things that other people might not think that you're good at. And so that, that stands out for me on a personal level, but then like as an entrepreneur and as a business owner, it's really interesting to me to work with other people and see the ways that they have decided who they are. So that they'll be mm-hmm. like, okay, this is the type of person that I am. Like I am a, I'm a project manager or like, or I am a, mm-hmm. the thing that I hear the most is people saying like, I'm not creative. I don't come mm-hmm. up with creative ideas. And I'm like, everybody is creative to be a human being is the ultimate mm-hmm. act of creativity. So it's not just because you didn't go to art school, just because you like, don't make art professionally, that doesn't mean that you're not creative. And Mm -hmm. those kind of limiting beliefs can, they start really small, but it's this really powerful seed that becomes the forest of your identity where it's like, you can't see anything else. You can't do anything else and you can't be who you are. Oh my gosh. You said the seed grows into the forest of your identity and you can't see who you are. Oh my gosh. That's so good. I'm like fist pumping, guys. <laughs> totally. You know, it's a thing, man. Yeah. It's a thing. Well, and what's interesting is that's the way I like to teach the Enneagram, right? It's like it's like this it's it's who we think we have to be. It's like it's not who we are, it's who we think we have to be. So then it's how we've been coping, it's how we've been surviving. So actually the goal, right, is like expand that. You get to be any of the types. You get to play in all of the numbers. 
I really appreciate you saying that because I, okay, so my big confession is that I have been an Enneagram hater. We were talking about this a little bit. Like, <laughs> I love I, I love that. I know. Well, so, okay. When I told my, so my, my business partner is an Enneagram lover. She's very, very okay. into it. And she's like, when I told her that she was like, oh, that must mean that you're an eight. And I think that that's like a characteristic of being an eight is to not believe in the Enneagram. And I, <laughs> it's weird for me because like, I'm really into astrology. I very much believe mm-hmm. in numerology, but the Enneagram mm-hmm. is challenging for me because it's like mm-hmm. something that you decide about yourself or like, it's like, mm-hmm. it's like a something that you, it can change. And so I'm like, how do you know? Like what, right. we all have so many personalities and identities, like how do you decide? But I love what you're saying that it's like, no, you, all the numbers, <laughs> they all. Yeah. I mean, to nerd out on it, it's like we, it, if you think about it in terms of how the system is, you have two numbers on either side of you that you connect to. Mm-hmm. So that's three already. Then you have numbers that you move to in stress and rest. So that's five. And then sometimes we look like the people who raised us, right? We have like a familial overlay. Maybe our family culture looks a certain way. We think of uh, America as an Enneagram three culture. So then oh, we all Americans kind of carry the pressure to be successful so there's oh, that. So it's like at the end of the day, yeah. we kind of touch all the numbers. So there's some part of us, but I think there is that core motivation. But anyway, getting carried uh, away not, here. Uh, I, maybe we have a separate <laughs> conversation about this after because I'm like, yeah. America's yeah. An, a three on the Enneagram. This is so interesting. America, tell me about yourself. No, that's America, very interesting tell to me think about. about. Yeah. What's your childhood wound, America? Um, <laughs> America like, okay. sits down, hand on chin. You just don't understand. Anyway, yeah, totally. Oh, my God. Oh, gosh. Boy. It's hard. Um, so I, one of the things I think about when I think about you and your brand, and kind of, I take yoga classes with you with a friend of mine, um, and I always think like, man, she like you're so brave. Like you just have so much just like, here I am. Here's what I'm doing. Um, kind of unapologetic about it. Have you always been like that? Or did you yeah. learn that along the way? Has that changed That's a great over question. time? <laughs> that is a great <laughs> question. Um, I <laughs> well <laughs> um huh, okay. Um <laughs> I guess the the short answer probably is yes. I think I have probably Mm -hmm. always been brave, but Mm -hmm. I has come from feeling very not brave. So Mm -hmm. I have had a lot of different experiences in my life where I have felt like not good enough or like, um, Mm. like ashamed of myself or like, I I mean, just thinking back to, and I talked about this a little bit in everybody yoga, but when I was a kid, I had locked hair. So I had dreadlocks Mm -hmm. and now locks are like extremely popular. But Mm -hmm. when I was eight, they were not popular. And Mm -hmm. I was, everybody made fun of me and I was very ashamed of my hair to the point where And this goes into another thing, but my mom was hospitalized for a period of time in my childhood, and she's been in and out of the hospital throughout my life. And um, But while she was in the hospital the first time, one of her friends asked me if I would want her to cut off my hair and 
give me braids. And I was so, I was thrilled because I was like, mm. I, I'm, I hate this hair. Like everybody makes fun of me. And I look back at that and I was just like, wow, that was the start of a huge shame spiral. <laughs> I'm like now needing to really recoup from that. But just that whole cycle of self yeah. and looking at myself, that I definitely found that to be like a harvesting place for bravery and needing to stand up for myself, ultimately standing mm -hmm. up for myself to myself. And that mm -hmm. extends to like middle school. I was bullied a lot in middle school. Mm -hmm. And um, when I look back at that time now, especially having been bullied, like after I remember after being in, um, on the cover of Cosmopolitan UK and on the cover of Self magazine, I had a lot of um, like uh, large scale haters and trolls. Okay. And I thought back to that time in middle school, like, wow, it was really helpful to be bullied in middle school because then I learned that the only people that bully are people who are being bullied themselves. Like mm. the people who say mean things have something terrible is happening at home. Something really, really sad is happening within themselves. Mm -hmm. And it allows me to experience a a feeling of compassion that I'm feeling mm -hmm. for myself, but also that I can feel for other people. And that is the harvesting ground for bravery. And so mm -hmm. it just, and so it goes from there that I think that for me, every moment of hardship, every time that someone has told me no, or that I'm not good enough, or every time that I've felt that toward myself, that mm -hmm. has been the place where I'm able to find bravery. And I think mm -hmm. that we, the way that I have understood bravery, it seems like it's like a cape that you could buy at the store or like that it's a cape that someone else is going to put on you and tell mm -hmm. you like, you are brave, you are worthwhile. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a fear of diving deep into the pain and the solitude of feeling a, truly alone and not having mm -hmm. anyone to lean on. But when you dive down there and just feel the feelings and feel so alone, there's a point where it's like you end up making the cape for yourself and you end up saying, mm -hmm. I'm just going to do this because the only, there's two options. I can stay in the game or I can not. And mm -hmm. up to this point, I have decided to stay in the game. And I have a lot of respect for people who choose the other option because it is mm -hmm. all the same ultimately. But mm -hmm. for me, it's like when it gets so bad, you just, if you keep going, that's really the winning streak, and that's where the bravery comes from. Today's podcast is sponsored by Copilot. Copilot is an affordable one on one remote personal training service that provides personalized workouts tailored to your goals and available equipment. You get accountability and support from a real person with the flexibility to work out on your own schedule all for a fraction of the cost of in-person training. If you have been here a while, you know that I am incredibly careful and protective around wellness brands. I want to make sure we are focused on sustainable health decisions, not harmful extreme behaviors. And if you were here on Monday's episode, you may have already heard me gush about Copilot because I came out of my first coaching session literally glowing with joy because they did so much right. Here are the things that they did right. First, they let me set what I track. They never mentioned weight loss to me. I drove my own goals. Now, of course, if that's a goal of yours, you can track weight loss, progress, pictures, and measurements, but I'm personally tracking back pain, joint pain, happiness, and confidence. 
The second thing they did was my coach made my plan sustainable for me and encouraged me to start small and grow from there, meaning they're setting me up for sustainable growth. And as a coach who works with goal setting and follow through, I know what they're doing and they're doing it right. Number three, she worked with what I have. So I was really worried I would have to get a gym membership. I simply shared the equipment that I had at home and she built my workouts completely around that. You can do gym workouts, but you can also do home workouts. And I think that's amazing because they meet you where you are. Fourth, she asked me what I hated to do. And what was really cool about this is that for some exercises, she said, we can totally eliminate that. But for others, when I said what it was I didn't like, she was like, oh, we'll work on those muscles so that they're not as painful for you. Number five, she made it specific and time-based. Meaning she said, what are our goals? What do you like? Let's get specific about it. And when are we going to do it? And how long are we going to do it for? As a goal setting coach, I know she nailed it. Six, she listened to what I like. I told her I like variety. I told her how many times a week I would be able to work out. I told her what felt easy in terms of timing for me. And she said, let's start where we are and grow from there. Seven, the app where my workouts live feature all different kinds of people in normal clothes. So I'm not looking at a bunch of people in bathing suits with giant abs, just kind of like showing off their muscles. It's just normal people of all colors and sizes doing the movements, showing me what it looks like for a real person to do these workouts. And eight, after I started the plan, I have been able to message my coach and ask for things like tips for posture during certain poses, like during certain exercises. And my favorite was when I was really sore on the day of a planned workout and I was able to ask what was best for me. And this has always been where I get hung up. Like, I'm so sore. Do I push through or do I rest for another day? But she answered me and I was able to push it one day and complete my workout without a problem. Now, one of my favorite tools for building confidence is a consistent movement practice that pushes you past your perceived limits. But I've always struggled with the balance of how far to push myself and having a trainer to talk through these decisions with has been such a game changer. Now, personally, I loved my coach right away, like obsessed with her, but if for some reason yours doesn't feel like a great fit, you can change it up at no additional cost at any time. I'd love for you to follow my lead to prioritizing movement and feeling confident and give Copilot a try to find out why it was listed by Forbes as the top rated personal trainer app of 2023. Just head to go.mycopilot.com slash egram to get a 14-day free trial with your own personal trainer. That's go.mycopilot.com slash egram to get a free 14-day trial with your very own personal trainer. Take a back seat and let Copilot help you reach your fitness goals. Thank you, Copilot, for supporting the podcast. Mm-hmm. I love what you said about people who bully. It's like they're being bullied. And I often think about that with body image stuff. Like if someone, if I read a comment section and I'm seeing people comment on other people's bodies, you know, in ways that I think are wrong, I'm like, oh, you're terrified of being fat. You're terrified yes. of it. Oh my, and where literally. did you learn that? And how did you exactly. get there? Because it's actually has nothing to do with this person. 
it, because you're projecting all these concepts and ideas onto them that are false. Exactly. I yeah. always, when I see that, which at this point, I really don't read. Like if I see that they're, mm-hmm. that comments are getting like really negative, I just won't read them because it is, because mm-hmm. I'm sensitive like everybody else. Healthy, but, yeah. Um, yeah. It's just like, I don't, this isn't making me feel good. But, mm-hmm. um, but when I see that, I think like, wow, that person is really unhappy or like they're really scared They're, And mm-hmm. I mean, we live in a world where just the idea of being fat is worse than almost anything else. Like people would rather mm-hmm. be called pretty much anything than being called fat. Mm-hmm. And that's but we're so cute. Well, that's the thing about it. And that's, what, <laughs> Sorry, that's I what I think to interrupt you. No, but you're right. And I think that's a part of it too, is that I think that there's this feeling of like, well, how can you be so cute and also mm-hmm. be so bad? And it's yeah. all linked to, to this, um, you know, we can have a conversation about like the medical industrial complex and the ideas around obesity and like health and how that impacts our society overall. But mm-hmm. I think that all of those statistics really make it where people think that they're doing a service to humanity to mm-hmm. to fat shame and to be fat phobic. That it's mm-hmm. like you are hurting other people if you are fat. And mm-hmm. I have to tell you about this. And anytime there's like extreme vitriol like that, I'm just like, what's going on, man? Like mm-hmm. something's going on that that you even care this much. Because generally mm-hmm. like if you have, if you're feeling balanced in your life and if you're feeling happy, first of all, if you're feeling happy, you want everybody to feel happy. That's just how that works. Mm-hmm. And then if you are feeling like you can't let, if you're a dog with a bone and you can't let it go, there's something mm-hmm. else going on. This isn't even, it's probably not even about this at all. And you're just mm-hmm. using this as a vehicle. And for me, I think if you are ever being trolled, the response ultimately leans on you. It's like, okay, so we know that that's going to happen. We know that there's Mm. always going to be people who are sad, who are like coming from that hurt place that they, and hurt people just hurt people. So they're just going to keep doing that. The question then becomes, do you want to be a part of that cycle? And Mm -hmm. totally legitimate to be a part of that cycle because Mm -hmm. the trolls have tried me and I've absolutely come for that ass. I don't know. I'm sorry if I'm not (laughs) supposed to use profanity, but like they, I don't want to make it seem like I'm always like so compassionate and pious. No, Uh people uh catch me on the wrong day and I'm like, I'm from Greensboro. You don't know me. So like, but I feel like whenever that happens, Um, I'm always just like, like, I remember, um, I was in this uh, a Gatorade campaign that was so tremendous, really incredible. And one day I got on Twitter and I just, I don't even remember what the person was commenting, but I was just like, decided that I was offended that day and that I wanted to mm-hmm. say something back. And then I ended up deleting it because I was just like, just don't, mm-hmm. please don't be a part mm-hmm. of this. Like, just let it go. Let them, they mm-hmm. feel better just having been heard because ultimately Mm -hmm. I think that's all we're looking for is we all just want to be heard. Yeah. And I'm the same way. Like some days I will just go off. I'll just respond. I'm responding from like my fully, I need to protect myself. I need to like defend myself. And that's never the way that never feels good on my nervous system. But Never. it always feels good to type out. And it then, totally. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. But then I get caught up in it, you know, and we stay yes. in it. And it's like, this takes my day now. Whereas if I could have just ignored it and I would have had my day. Exactly. And I think mm-hmm. for me, it really comes down to like 
time is my most valuable asset. And so it's like, wow, I'm really devoting my time to this. I just gave my gave this person how many minutes, hours, even just seconds of my life. Like, and and it's fine, you know, it continues, thankfully, but is that how I want to spend my time? And generally for me, the answer is no. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Um. Is it weird having been like, I mean, like you're known for something, right? Like, so you have like this area in which you like a niche, right? Like nailed Mm. down. Is that weird? Is it weird to be? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) How how do you manage that? Like the other parts of you that aren't expressed or maybe. Mm -hmm. That's a good question. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that it's very helpful for me that my work resides in this world of yoga, which while mm-hmm. yoga is traditionally understood, I think that in the mainstream, yoga is understood as a physical exercise, that it's a class that you go to or something mm-hmm. like that. And maybe we could extend that to say it's a meditation class that you go to or it's a mm-hmm. breathwork class, but it's very rarely outside of like, this physical practice of it. Mm -hmm. But my understanding of yoga is that yoga is everything that Mm -hmm. yoga, the, so yoga just loosely means union. So it means Mm -hmm. to join together. So for me, it's joining together all the different parts of myself that don't make sense. So Mm -hmm. that every part of myself ultimately can fit within that definition of yoga. And that's why it's been so tremendous for me to expand my platform, to talk about lots of different things and to not Mm. just talk about like physically practicing yoga classes. That is a lot of the content that I create. Like if you go on my YouTube channel, there's lots of different yoga classes, like on Instagram, TikTok, all the different platforms, there's lots of different content like that. But it did inspire me to talk about cannabis, to talk about politics, to talk Mm -hmm. about polyamory, to talk about um, even like I also do, and this is, uh, I think, a larger topic, but I teach naked yoga classes on OnlyFans, Mm -hmm. being able to talk about sexuality and sensuality and that understanding of myself has been it's a huge part of my yoga practice, a huge part of my physical yoga practice, and also just a huge part of who I am. And so Mm -hmm. finding ways to fit all the different parts of myself into this really specific niche has Mm -hmm. felt really important to me. But even with that, like all of me cannot fit within that. And I think that Mm -hmm. no matter, even if you are able to talk about everything that you like in your life's work, whatever that is, there's still Mm -hmm. so much that cannot be held within a brand name. And so mm-hmm. for me, it's really important to have like a differentiation between Jessamyn Stanley, the brand, and mm-hmm. me, the person mm-hmm. that I am in just my day-to-day life. And so for me, that means a lot of time alone, a lot mm-hmm. of time like 
I don't really like I I don't live in the heart of things. I don't spend a lot of time with people that I don't know very closely. Mm-hmm. And um especially as time goes on, my personal mm-hmm. relationships and the relationships that I have with people that I've known for a long time have become more and more important to me because mm-hmm. I think that it's just really important for me to not be the niche, to not just yeah. be what I'm sharing with other people. Justin, I feel that in my bones. I feel like before I had a, a platform or whatever, I was so social. I, I was just mm-hmm. like, everybody's welcome. And then now I'm so private. I'm so much totally. more like, and that really freaked me out for a minute there. Really? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. why am I so tired? Why am I so private? Why am I closed now? Mm-hmm. And it felt like something in me had like broken, mm-hmm. um, like this like fun love. Because, you know, I'm holding the pressure totally. of seven. I'm supposed to be like fun and happy and like oh, sociable. Yeah. And kind of tapping into the part of me that can manage her energy and understand her limitations. Like that has been such a journey, but I love the way you said it. Like you just kind of said it like, well, this is natural progression. Like, of course I need a part of me. That's not my brand. Um, exactly. Yeah. And it that's makes so the brand cool. louder. Are Are mm-hmm. you a Gemini or a Leo or what, what is your sun sign? Um, I'm a Leo moon, but I'm an oh. Aquarius sun. Yeah. Oh, I was like, it's an Aquarius <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. What's your rising sign? It's Pisces. Oh, yeah. I, oh, I'm so, okay. It's fine. It's actually not a big deal. I was just like, there's like a Piscean sweetness that's mm-hmm. happening, but I'm mm-hmm. like, it's really the fun, loving thing. I'm like, are you a Gemini? But you're an air, you are an air sign. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, I got yeah. it. Yeah, totally. No, um, um, my having a Pisces rising has been the plight of my life, Jessamine, because I, I can feel only imagine oh, my so. God misunderstood so often because I'm like fiery inside and like passionate and like you know so it's interesting it's really lucky that you're an Aquarius because it's like you can ultimately get to a place of like well I'm unique so I'm all of these different things and that's just who you are (laughs) in the sun but I I can only imagine like deep conflict between that Leo moon Mm -hmm. the Pisces rising but like I really feel like Aquarius is coming in to save the day. I really appreciate Aquarians <laughs> on a lot of levels, but, like, nice. but also like so many challenges just in being and like being a uniquity like that. It's very interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. What are yours? What are you? <laughs> I am a double Cancer Sun and Moon and a Virgo okay. Rising, so I'm very, oh, very, very nurturing and crying all the time. There's a lot of emotions <laughs> happening all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, like not, that's a lot so of not like you though. <laughs> not like you. Oh, that's funny because we guesstimate. You said at the beginning before we recorded that you guesstimated that you were an eight, or like you yes. might be an eight. Um, yes. because I think of eights as carrying a lot of pressure, and mm-hmm. that like Virgo Cancer combo sounds like that a lot of like a pressure. That's you're exactly carrying right. a lot. Yeah, yeah. it's um, yeah. Uh, I think that. <laughs> Sometimes, so I, on on my creative team, I work with two other Virgo, prominent Virgo placements. One mm-hmm. is Virgo Moon, and the other person is a double Virgo Moon and Sun. And we sometimes we'll have these moments where I'm like, okay, this is just a Virgo moment, and we all need to chill. Uh-huh. Like everybody needs to take it down a notch. And like I went, so we joke that I'm the Beyonce of yoga, and I'm like, this is not a compliment, first of all, because Beyonce <laughs> is Queen Virgo, and we're all like, oh my god, Virgo season, so cute. No, Beyonce. 
is a control freak. <laughs> That's what you need to understand. So I'm like, it's just a saga. She is Beyonce's like this, probably tired. Uh, she's literally tired. Like she's not. Anytime that it's like if everybody's having fun around Beyonce, she's uh, not having fun. Beyonce yeah. is running the playback. So <laughs> yeah, I would say pressure for sure. Like mm-hmm. for no reason sometimes. Like mm-hmm. I'm like playing a game with myself that it's like, why are you why are you batting the ball so hard at yourself for no reason? So yeah. One of the things that you've I've seen like you mention a lot is starting with yourself, like starting with mm. compassion for yourself, starting with love for yourself. I think you said something. Oh, if I'm, I'm, you know, arguing with my own bully, kind of like when I'm bullying myself, mm-hmm. do you feel like in relationship, you tend to start here first and then let that flow out? Always. I feel like that mm-hmm. is the most important thing for me is to always just come back to my center. What, how am I impacting this? What am I projecting, especially like in relationship, any kind of relationship with another human being, whether it's a Mm -hmm. platonic friendship, a work relationship. And then I think especially a romantic relationship, it's like Mm -hmm. what usually childhood trauma am I projecting onto this other person? Who have I cast them as? Like what role Mm -hmm. have I decided that they need to play so that I can continue to work out this situation that I have not let go of from my childhood. And I think that's something that we all do. Like everybody's doing that all the time. And it's really challenging to be in relationships with other people, I think, because it's so it's so much about ourselves individually. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's just this constant, like, how can I, how can I see that this other person is not trying to hurt me? No one, mm-hmm. I truly think that none of us are ever trying to hurt each other. And I know that's a hard line whenever we live in a world where there's just so much chaos and hatred and negativity and mm-hmm. sadness. But ultimately, I don't think we're trying to hurt each other. And part of my belief mm-hmm. in that comes from, I don't know if you've read the four agreements, but the one of mm-hmm. the four agreements is don't take anything personally. And it's like, mm-hmm. nothing that anyone ever does has anything to do with me. And that's really the second thing for me is like, so that person who's not trying to hurt me, they're not even thinking about me. They're not trying mm-hmm. to, whatever it is that they're doing that Maybe they maybe they're projecting something onto me that has mm-hmm. nothing to do with me. And so how can I and I think this is most challenging in our closest relationships and not even in like mm-hmm. romantic relationships, but in I think honestly, specifically biological relationships, like when we're talking about relationships mm-hmm. with your parents or with your children or siblings or whatever, mm-hmm. that it's like this person, they did it specifically with parents. It's like they're mm-hmm. trying to hurt me. They know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. Your parents are mm-hmm. babies just like you, and they don't even know mm-hmm. what is up or down. And they're still trying mm-hmm. to understand how they got out of the sandbox. Meanwhile, they somehow gave birth to you, and y'all are all <laughs> just out here like tumbling around like dice, like literally knocking mm-hmm. into each other. And so just being able to say, like, I am my own dice, I'm doing my own mm-hmm. thing. And they're doing their thing. And really the resolution Mm -hmm. point for me, and this is, I guess, three, that is Mm -hmm. that if they're not trying to hurt me and if they're not actually like even thinking about me, Mm -hmm. I can know that I can think about myself. I can focus on what's going on for me. And mm-hmm. I can offer that as the, my viewpoint for the rest of the world so that mm-hmm. when I'm seeing other people do what they're doing, 
I can know that they're they're feeling all the same feelings that I'm feeling. They feel sadness. They feel distress. They feel fear. Mm-hmm. They feel happy. They feel joy. They feel love. All of these things that I'm feeling, they are also feeling. And I can mm-hmm. know that. And I can make space for them to feel that too. Not to the detriment, not to my own detriment, not to make mm-hmm. myself smaller, but really as a way of heightening and brightening so that all of us are able to feel and experience as big and as powerfully as we all are. Mm-hmm. Dang. So in that, so much of the work that you've talked about is in compassion for self, compassion for others not taking things personally. When people come to the underbelly and, you know, they say, I want to, I want to be in this community. I want to spend time with you. I want to learn from you. What do you hope they leave with? Mm-mm-mm-mm. Oh my goodness. What I hope <laughs> they leave with, I hope that you will go forth knowing that you are okay. It's literally like mm-hmm. each person, what I can put my, if I'm just putting my hands on the sides of your face, I'm just saying, you're okay. Whatever it is that you have going on, and I know you have a lot going on. Every single human being has experienced something so fucked up. Everybody has mm-hmm. something that is just like horrifying, and you are okay. Every single human being has done or said something to another human being that is truly horrible. You are mm-hmm. okay. You're not. You're not a bad person. You Mm -hmm. don't deserve sadness. You are meant for joy. You are meant for Mm -hmm. pleasure. You are meant for love and lust and the biggest, most powerful, positive feelings at every single moment in this life. You should Mm -hmm. experience as much pleasure as possible and you deserve it. And Mm -hmm. from here, you will go on to do something shitty, something bad. You will say the wrong thing and you are still okay. And I Mm -hmm. see you. I witness you. I believe in you. You are good. Mm. Jessamine, how do we connect with you further? So people who are listening at home who are like, okay, I need her in my life. Where do they get time with you? Where do they come to the underbelly? Go to the under the underbelly.com. It's the the word under and then B-E-L-L-Y. Dot com. And you can try a free two week trial or you can just go on ahead, get you a year set up and then you'll always be able to find me. And we have lots of different types of yoga classes, lots of different meditations. And if signing up for the underbelly is not the thing, go to youtube.com and type in Jessamine Stanley. It's J-E-S-S-A-M like monkey, Y-N like Nancy, and then Stanley like the way that you would spell that and <laughs> that type that in and you will find lots of different free resources as well and mm-hmm. you can find my books everybody yoga and yoke my yoga of self-acceptance on my website jessaminstanley.com and you can get signed copies in the underbelly shop but mm-hmm. you can also get them literally anywhere the books are sold and the yoke book is also on audible as well um but if you're just looking for like if you just want to passively like connect with me and see me every so often when you're scrolling, follow me on Instagram and TikTok and uh, threads at my name is Jessamine and uh, Facebook too. 
And we'll link all of that in the show notes for you guys. So you can just scroll on down and click. Um, Jasmine, I could talk to you for hours. Thank you so much for oh coming God. and sharing your light. You are such a joy. Thank you so much for having Thank me. You. It's been an honor to be here. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.